Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with those who condemn God, as we pick up in Job chapter 40, verse 5. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. I don't know how God could do that to me. After all, when I'm so good and I'm so pure and I'm so righteous, why would God allow that to happen to me? God isn't fair to me. God isn't just. He's allowed it to happen to me. Dangerous. Have you an arm like God? Or can you thunder with a voice like Him? Cast abroad the rage of your wrath, and behold, everyone that is proud, abase him. Now, God says, here, do this now. Go ahead and deck yourself with the majesty and excellency. Array yourself with glory and beauty, and cast abroad the rage of the angry person. Behold, everyone that is proud in the earth, abase him. Look on everyone that is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together, bind their faces in secret, and then I also will confess to you that your own right hand can save you. God said, if you can do these things, then I'll confess to you, your right hand can save you. If you can abase every proud person, bring them low and all. Now God goes and he gives the illustration of the elephant and talks of the elephant, again, one of his creatures, and of the uh, description of the elephant, its size and its diet and so forth. And then in the next chapter, God speaks of the Leviathan. Now just what the Leviathan is, they're not quite sure. Some think that it uh, is perhaps a crocodile. Some think that it's perhaps even a dragon, while others think think that it perhaps is a hippopotamus uh, with a hefty hide. And so those are some of the opinions. And God said, can you catch him with a hook like you catch a fish? Can you put a hook in his nose or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he pray to you and speak soft words to you and make a covenant with you that you might take him as a servant forever? Will you play with him? like you would with a bird, or will you bind him for your maidens? Shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall they part him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with fish spears? Lay thy hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down even in the sight of him? None is so fierce that dare to stir him up. Who then is able to stand before him? And God goes on to speak of Leviathan and uh, of, of his strength and so forth and showing that Job really doesn't have much power over nature. God has created the things of nature and all and man stands pretty helpless even before nature, how much more before God. Then Job answered the Lord and said, chapter 42, I know that you can do everything and that no thought can be withheld from thee. Pretty important. I know God can do everything. Secondly, I know that you can't hide a single thought from God. The Bible says concerning Jesus that he didn't need anyone to come and tell him of other people because he knew man and he knew what was in man. 
You can't hide any thoughts from God. The Bible tells us that someday our very thoughts are to be judged, for God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. We are going to be judged not so much by what we do, but by what motivated us to do the things that we did. Now, you may be doing many right things, but with a wrong motivation. Jesus said, take heed to yourself that you do not your righteousness before men to be seen of men, to be looked upon by men as righteous and holy, and therefore you're doing your deeds in order to get this accolade of man is wrong. God's going to judge the motivation. Our works are to be tried by fire. And many of them will be burned like wood, hay, and stubble. Those that remain will be rewarded for. But much of our works done out of wrong motivation will not endure the testing of fire. God is a searcher of the thoughts, the intents of a man's heart. So Job says, Lord, I know that I can't hide any thought from you. Who is he that hides the counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I, now Job is confessing, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things that were too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I've been talking, Lord, out of my hat. I don't even know what I was talking about. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, declare thou unto me. For I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. And so Job, the discovery of God. God, I've heard of you. I've been talking about things that I've heard, but now I see. My eye seeth thee. It's always a glorious day in our lives when God is moved from our heads to our hearts. From just a knowledge to an experience. I've heard of thee, God, with my ears. I've heard people talk about you. I've talked about you. But God, I was talking about things I didn't really know, I didn't really understand, I didn't really see. I've heard about you with the hearing of my ears, but now I see you. And what a difference it makes when our eyes are open and we actually begin to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. And how glorious when our eyes behold, when, when the spiritual eyes are open and I really begin to have a real experience with God in my life. And the scriptures are suddenly opened up. A whole new dimension of spiritual life is open to me as I am born again by the Spirit and come into the spiritual dimension, no longer just hearing about God, but now actually seeing, comprehending God. And in the discovery of God, there comes the resultant discovery of self. Wherefore, I abhor myself, I repent in dust and ashes. Daniel spoke about when God gave to him this revelation, when he saw the glory of God in this revelation, he said, then was my comeliness turned into ugliness within me. When Peter saw Jesus, he said, depart from me, I am a sinful man. 
When Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, Woe is me, I am undone. I dwell amongst, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst people of unclean lips. Seeing God gives you the greatest insight on yourself you've ever had. So many times a person says, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm, you know. But once they see God, that's all it takes to bring a man down to his knees begging for mercy, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. When I can see God as God sees me, a sinful, hopeless wretch, no longer looking at myself, deceiving myself, justifying myself, but seeing me as God sees me. But that can't happen until I first see God. Lord, I've heard of you. Now I see you. Now I see me. I abhor myself. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord turned to his friends, to Eliphaz, the Timonite. And he said, My wrath is kindled against thee and against your two friends. For you have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job has. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept lest I deal with you after your folly in that which ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. Now, let me say that God doesn't like you going around saying false things about him. He doesn't appreciate that at all. Or going around speaking for him things that he has not said. Now, there are many people who are guilty of spreading false concepts about God. God does not look kindly upon that at all. And he told Eliphaz, you guys haven't been speaking right about me. Now, you offer and you ask Job to pray for you, I'm going to listen to him. I won't listen to you because you have not spoken things that are true about me. And so you better get Job to pray for you. So Eliphaz, the Timonite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all of his brothers and all of his sisters. Where were they, I wonder, when he was in affliction? And all of they that had been his acquaintances before. And they did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him over all of the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 she-asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the first Jemima, which means a dove. And the name of the second was Cassia, which is a sort of a spice. And the name of the third was 
Karen Hapuk, which means a horn of paint. Now, I don't know why they would call a girl a horn of paint. <laughs> and in all of the land, there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. And after this, Job lived for 140 years. Now, if Job indeed was a contemporary to Abraham, as is thought, 180 years is not unusual. Abraham lived to be 180 years old. This was actually just about two generations after the flood. And so longevity was still common in, in those days. And so after this experience, Job lived for another 140 years, and he saw his sons and his son's sons even to four generations. So he had his great-great-grandkids all around him. So Job died being old and full of days. The interesting story of Job a story that deals with the problems of pain, the problems of suffering. Why are the righteous, why do the righteous suffer? Why are the ungodly oftentimes prosperous? And yet, though it deals with the issues, it doesn't come up with any firm answers. Righteous people often suffer, and what we know is we don't know the reason. Good people often experience pain. We don't know the reason. Godly people sometimes die young. We don't know the reason. Righteous people are often sick. We don't know the reason. Sinners are many times prosperous. We don't know the reason. Now, because we don't know the reasons, we should not draw false conclusions as Job did. It doesn't pay to try to live right. It doesn't pay to try to be good because you're going to get afflicted anyhow. Those were wrong conclusions that Job drew from his experiences. What we need to realize is that this present suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory that is going to be revealed in us when Jesus comes for us. So if we do experience hardship or suffering or disappointment, you can't compare it with the glory that God is going to bestow upon us eternally. For this present suffering, which is but for a moment, worketh an exceeding eternal weight of glory. Now, it is important that we remember that as God deals with us, he always has eternity in mind. I always have today and tomorrow in mind. 
And I am oftentimes concerned with my present comfort, with my present ease, with my present prosperity. God is interested in my eternal comfort, in my eternal prosperity, and he's dealing with me over the eternal things where I am so often only thinking in the time things. But when God is working in your life, he's always got eternity in mind, for he wants you to enjoy the blessings of his kingdom forever. Now, there may be things right now that are stumbling you and could drag you into the pit. And so God, because he loves you and wants you to be with him eternally, will oftentimes take away something that could deter you or turn your mind from him or to detour you from the path that he wants you to walk. And it isn't that God doesn't love you. It isn't that God is angry with you. It isn't that God is actually punishing you. God is looking out for your welfare because he knows so much better than you know about your life and about the world around you and about your weaknesses. And God is trying to shield you and protect you. I can remember when my boys were small, they were fascinated with my shaving. And I would lather up my face and say, ho, 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 you know. <laughs> and they used to love to watch me shave. And as I would change the blades in the razor, they tried to grab the blade. And I slapped their hands. And I said, no, you can't play with that. Oh, we want to play with it, Daddy. No, you can't. <laughs> mean, Daddy. <laughs> no, I wasn't mean. I loved them. I knew the dangers of their playing with a razor blade. They didn't. It looked like it would be fun to take that and cut things with it. That'd be a lot of fun. What they didn't realize is that they'd be cutting their fingers, their hands. I knew that. I restrained them. I think that many times we're yelling at God and angry with God. We say, oh God, I wanted that. Oh Lord, you know I wanted that. You know, Why don't you let me play with that? And God knows that it could hurt you. God knows that it could destroy you. And God is always, always looking at you with the eternity in mind. And he deals with us with eternity in mind. And thereby, we do not always understand the present inconveniences or deprivations. But God looking at the eternal, is working in you his eternal purposes. And if you keep that in mind, then you won't be troubled when you see the ungodly prospering because you know they're going to be cut down in a moment. 
then you won't be troubled when you may be going through a hard experience because you know that God is working in your life. A, a more exceeding, abundant reward in the kingdom. That is why we are told, count it all joy when you have these tribulations. Oh, praise the Lord, I had the worst tribulation this week. <laughs> God's working, he must love me. Putting me through the fire. Better that I go through the fire now. Better that I be purified now that I might have remaining works rather than to watch all of my works go up in a puff of smoke and enter into heaven by the skin of my teeth. God loves you. And God has eternity in his mind. And he's dealing with you in light of eternity. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Job 40-42 through 42 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, we thank you for your dealings with us. Forgive us, Lord, for our complaints, for our folly, for the foolish charges that we make against thee. God, they are done out of the rashness of our own immaturity, our own lack of understanding. Help us to know thy ways. Lead us in thy path. Lord, may we also have eternity in mind. In Jesus' name, amen. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lately, social media and our newscasters are predicting that worldwide calamity is right around the corner. In fact, so-called experts are saying we don't have much time left on the planet. Can we really believe this? Maybe they're just trying to scare us. Everybody seems to be asking the question, what is the world coming to? But as Christians, we don't need to be anxious because the answer is found in the book of Revelation. 
The Word for Today encourages our radio listeners to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation entitled, What the World is Coming to. Known for his simple teaching of the scriptures, Pastor Chuck's commentary will help every reader understand what God's plan is for the human race. Not only will this book educate you about the future, it's an excellent resource to equip you to give an answer to those who don't recognize God's coming judgment. To order your copy of What the World's Coming to by Chuck Smith in print or in digital format, please call 1-800-272-9673. Or you can order this book online at thewordfortoday.org. 